This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Palin Finn Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yakat for all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories. Go to yakgadgets.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighters. Go to pelican.com. To the 153 Bait Company for all your hard and soft bait needs. Go to the153angler.com. So join with me as together we dive into the tips and techniques that will help make us better anglers out on the water. All right, welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host, Sean Lavery, and I'm super excited to be with you guys tonight. And I'm super excited for the guests that I have on. Um, I had reached out to him uh, last year, actually, and um, our, fi- our schedule's finally worked out, so I can have him on tonight. So I'd like to uh, bring on Nick, the informative fisherman, to the Bass Fishing for Noobs show. Nick, can what you is me? up, Sean? I can yes. hear you loud and clear, brother. All right, all right. <laughs> so, welcome to the new show, man. It's it's great to see you. Um, I've been a big fan for a super long time, so I'm super excited to get to you know introduce you to the listeners that maybe don't know you. Um, but I'm sure, I mean, if uh, anybody's in any any kind of searching on YouTube uh, for fishing related <laughs> content, they're probably gonna run into you eventually. So, well, that's that's always the hopes, you know. I appreciate the support, though, brother. No problem. No problem. So for those of uh, the, my listeners who haven't heard from you, um, why don't you give them just a brief uh, intro, like who you are, where you're from, um, kind of how you got okay. into this game. Uh, if you if you don't know who I am, ironically enough, uh, I'll just give you a little short YouTube history lesson. So when YouTube first came out, there was about two guys in front of me doing fish stuff, Roger the Bass Guide and Rippin' Lips, the original Rippin' Lips. And... Uh, I was the first one to ever go full time with it. Ironically, everything fell in place. I had the skill set. My father was into videography. I knew how to edit videos because I I sold music out of high school, got my first apartment that way. So editing and everything came together. And I was always into competitive uh, fishing tournaments 
and derbies and anything around town. So one thing led to another, and uh, I had some sponsors reach out to me. This is pre-Google AdSense, everything. Um, so I syndicated my program, basically a TV show, and that's kind of why a lot of TV shows picked up my episodes and re-ran them, which you probably originally saw on YouTube, which was edited for TV. And uh, <laughs> basically the last five or six years, I've become more of an international spokesperson for a couple of big brands. And um, YouTube's kind of like my secondary thing now, uh, but it's still a ton of fun. I love doing it. I'm never going to leave YouTube. So when people go, dude, where have you been for the last month? I said, don't worry, <laughs> I'll release four videos this month. But I am not your day-to-day uh, -day vlogger, man. I grew up uh, scientific background. I don't know if you can still hear me there. I was getting a phone call. Sorry about that, Sean. No worries. Yeah. And uh, dang it, I think I lost your audio. We'll see if it comes back. <laughs> but I grew up with a scientific background. Research was always something I loved. Science and history was my background. So I kind of adopted that into my fishing years ago. I used to be into competitive fishing. And uh I only do maybe four or five tournaments uh, a year nowadays. It's not my bread and butter. It kind of uh, interrupts with all my scheduling for everything else. But that's the jam, man. That's a little bit of history on uh, my program, Informative Fisherman. Awesome, awesome. Can you still hear me? Shoot, I cannot hear you, Sean. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hold on. Let me see if I can get this to go back. I'm going to just swipe off. Stay there, though. Yep, I will stay here. While we are getting Nick back, um, I just wanted to let you guys know uh, we're going to definitely give him a chance to uh, shout out all his sponsors. And, um, you know, I want to talk to him about uh, some of those things because one of them in particular, I think, lends itself really well to um, people just getting started into fishing. And um, particularly when it comes to trying to choose the best rod to, to use. And um, while Nick's getting his audio issues straight straightened out, I figured I'd give you a shout about that. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, while we're waiting for Nick to get back in here, I wanted to give a quick uh, plug for the Bass Fishing for News or the uh, Paddle and Fin Fantasy Fishing thing uh, show. So we want to uh, just head on over to paddleandfin.com slash fantasy to check that out. All right, let's get Nick back in here. I am back. I didn't know what a phone call would do, but apparently it knocks out your audio. My uh, my AirPods kill that every time too for some reason. Um, my Apple AirPods, so it's weird. Yeah, I, uh, if it happens again, I will just reconnect and hopefully you can trim that out, brother. Make your job a little harder on you than you yeah. expect. Give me a chance to uh, plug something I forgot to plug at the beginning, so it's all good. Oh, what did I miss? Um, the uh, Paddle and Fin um, Fantasy Kayak Fishing uh, we started um, a league up. Uh, we actually took it over from Duke Gregory, who did it, ran it last year and did a great job last year. But um, he got super busy uh, with his baby this year and a couple of other projects that he's working on. So he kind of passed the baton to Paddle and Finn to take that over. Uh, so we uh, are going full bar with that. Drew's still kind of in the background helping us uh, get everything up and running. But uh, I know cool. I don't know how much uh, you're into the kayak gig. Do you do much kayak fishing or? Um, you know, in the past I did, um, boats always kind of been my bread and butter and, you know, yeah. I grew up bank fishing like everybody else. So a lot of the time when I'm talking about stuff that I'm on the boat, I try to make it to where it applies to everybody listening, you know, believe it or not, guys, um, for you hardcore kayak people, that is a better foundation to start from than the bank or a boat. So I maybe kayak fish less than a hundred times ever. So not a lot. I, I know some people that may be a lot, but no, it's not a lot for, for me. Um, 
but that it the foundation is there the reason why the foundation is there for finesse fishing and based around kayak fishing is you have to be much more thorough and you have to analyze the spots you're selecting that you're going to go to because you're exerting energy and you're not getting there as fast so like map work um how you pick apart a spot is just you have to really really focus on that to have success in the kayak world which i love because you have to be 10 times more analytical because you can't just turn the key and run to the next spot very easily <laughs> we've had that conversation with a lot of our guests uh uh who have you know kind of done both and and they definitely say you know in a kayak you're kind of forced to really pick apart your spots because even with uh you know the kayaks that have the people who have the xi3 or the Sure. the uh the motors on the back of their kayaks you know they can move are a little bit more mobile but still you're not going to cover water like you do in a in a big boat so um yeah definitely something that you know is kind of the draw uh for me mm-hmm. anyway um but uh and i you know they we always talk about you know what it would be like to have a big boat guy ver- go up versus a, a kayak guy and you know how the, you know the different strengths of each area would play but um now, Chad Hoover be- and I were actually uh, working on organizing that awesome. because that- there is a uh, there's a 80 acre lake that's chock full of fish, and we figured, hey, that's an even playing field there. Yeah, you know, no, so that sounds that sounds pretty cool. That's in the long term works. So I gotta I gotta hit up Chad about that again. So we'll see what happens there. No, we've had Chad on the show before, and uh, definitely he he comes up with some great ideas. So I look forward to hearing about that. That sounds yeah, I like you mind know that a whooping on Chad. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the rivalry. Yeah, that's great. So, um, like, how far? Like, where did you get started fishing? Like, have you been one of those guys who fished, you know, ever since you can remember? Or, yeah, honestly, yes. Um... I've always had an insane passion for it. I can't remember the first time, if that's what you're wondering. Um, my dad's been involved in the outdoors. He's not hardcore like I am, but he just enjoys being out. So he noticed my obsession young and dealt into it and, and supported me along the way. So a lot of people don't know, my uh, my father's the primary videographer for my show when I'm in California, where I live. Um, so outside of there, I, I work with other videographers, and sometimes he'll fly with me. Or if it gets too cold or too hot, you'd be like, get somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice to be able yeah. to say that, yeah. Yeah, um, but no, he uh, he's always had my support, man. And I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. So man-made lakes, honestly, is where I cut my teeth. Some of the most pressured systems, which blows my mind that there's not enough kayak tournaments on inner city lakes where boats are not allowed to go. Like where I grew up, so I grew up Fremont Union City. This is uh, this is about 45 minutes south of San Francisco. And there's some really cool man-made lakes. So when I was 15, Shaw Grigsby actually turned me on to balsa square bills and how to mistune them to get them to run a certain direction. And what he told me, I was back in Michigan visiting family and my family's friends with uh, Kevin Van Dam's family. But believe it or not, uh, my connection was actually meeting uh, Kevin's uncle who introduced me to Shaw Grigsby and that's who turned me on to fishing uh, balsa square bills and I went back to this community lake and he said you're only going to circle counterclockwise and this is what you're going to do to this crankbait and literally I knocked the piss out of him wow. like really really good um, and it was it was amazing and that I think that's what really really exploded my interest in bass fishing 
being able to first talk to a guy that I've seen on television, you know, he was right. the host of Bassmaster back in the day. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, not to mention, not, not too bad family chops there either. Like, Oh, we got this other guy too, who, you know, he's going to be somebody someday, you know? <laughs> yeah. I actually, um, when I was a teenager, I fished at KVD's pond uh -huh, with him. Nice. <laughs> and uh, the funny part is I, I, I love it, but they, they don't showcase how good of a heckler Kevin is. So I'll tell you guys right now, if your buddies aren't busting your chops, I'll be, I'll keep this PG for you. Um, <laughs> when you're out there on the water, then they're not competitive enough and they're not going to push you to the next level. If you got a buddy talking trash that quotes the, I remember my first time, every time you backlash, that's who you need because you were going to push yourself to beat that guy every time. And that's, that's really where it's at. And when I was at Kevin's house, I remember this is one of my first time ever fishing smallmouth. I think I was 17 or 18. I had a shaved head. I had a silver chain. I was one of those California punks. And uh, I was throwing a gets it to shaking it shaking it shaking it and kenny vandervest is the president of dnr sporting goods back in the time kevin's best friend and kenny's like now nah, they're they're held up right on these christmas trees that kevin puts there you feel that and i'm like yeah i feel it so kevin walks up and he's hunting on his property and he goes no 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 like this and he fires it out there and he goes see and i go what you don't even know whap and he hits it and pulls out like a three and a half pound bronze back and i'm like Oh man, come on, dude. That was luck. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, you guys, you California guys at your luck. Choo, fires it out there. I'm like, not a chance, dude. I just made 15 casts of the spot. Bah! Hits him again. I said, okay. Okay. I, now everything I see on TV, it, it's not, it's not magic. It, it's really happening. <laughs> mm -hmm. That guy is so fishy. It's crazy. I've heard that. I've heard that. I still need to get him on here, but uh, that would be a, a pretty much my top guest ever. But um, and it's funny you talk about that because I just uh, on the evening news tonight, our local evening news, they had a uh, a story about four fishing buddies who go fishing, uh, you know, all the time together and are constantly busting each other's chops. And um, I guess they uh, one guy actually bought a billboard that said you know, Kevin sucks at fishing. I forget what the name was, <laughs> but, uh, he can't, it's just basically said, this is, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's like, this is Bob, Bob sucks at fishing. And it actually had his picture and it was on the, on the way to the tournament. I was like, wow, that that's taking it to another level there, man. Oh, but, that's uh, special. Oh man. I'd appreciate it. If my friends did that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I figure I, um, I, a lot of your content, you know, is very instructional and, um, mm -hmm. you know, you know, at least, you know, that's the stuff that I found most helpful uh, as I, you know, developed my skills as an angler. And, you know, really, I never had anybody just to sit and teach me. Um, so a majority of the what I've learned, I've learned through, you know, watching YouTube and, you know, watching, sure. you know, you know, bass fishing shows on TV and stuff. So, uh -huh. you know, I, I think, you know, it's a great place to go to learn. And I, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. Cause um, you know, you obviously, you know, been in this industry for quite a while and you, you've oh, seen yeah. people, um, you know, of all skill ranges. And, um, and I, I know at least a couple of your videos, you talk about some of the biggest mistakes that you see, um, anglers making, not just beginning anglers, although that's mm -hmm. part of it, but also, you know, even seasoned anglers make, you know, some mistakes repeatedly, that Absolutely. you kind of targeted. So I wondered if you could break down a few of those, if anything comes to your mind, um, either if you want to start with beginning anglers, you know, what you see them doing wrong most of the time or. Yeah. You know, um, 
I'm going to take this from a kayak aspect since I think that's the majority of your listeners, correct? Uh, it, it, this is the bass fishing for noob show. So in, in okay. theory, we're, we're just kind of, you know, okay, so, everybody. So but... bass fishing for noob, I would say that's <laughs> probably bank and kayak. So let's say you don't have a lot of spots. A, a newbie, you probably don't have 100 waypoints for every single lake you go to. Uh, I got about 10,000 waypoints on every single lake <laughs> I go to. So let's let's clarify something right now. So the biggest mistake is typically starting too slow. Um, and when I say this, when you first get there, okay, you're generally either trying to get there first thing in the morning or you're going to stick it out. You go in the evening and you're going to stick it out till dark. Either way, you're hitting a prime time, okay? And what I mean by prime time is longer shadows. This is all I'm talking about. Longer shadows are dark. And all this does is increase that predator strike zone. So... I like to get bit as much as the next guy, okay? If I'm throwing for 30 minutes and I don't get bit and I'm switching through baits, it's hard not to reach for a wacky rig. It's hard not to reach for that drop shot. But I will tell you what, the biggest problem for beginners that I see is they're wanting to get bit so bad that they switch to finesse very, very fast. And, and you could still use techniques that get a lot of bites, but you have to cover more water. And what I mean by this is when I say you're often, if you watch my videos, you're going to often hear me refer to my shadows about the length of my body. Now I'm probably going to have to start flipping or looking for heavier cover or structure or fishing under boat docks or looking for better shade lines. And the reason for that is the strike zones now shrunk prime time. It's lower pressure in the morning. It's lower pressure in at nighttime. It's lower pressure in the evening and the shadows are longer. So everything that favors that predator is going away. And that predator's hunkering into an area. That doesn't mean that they won't strike. It just means you got to get closer to them. You got to be able to hit them in the head. And if you started off finesse fishing that morning, you may only have a couple of waypoints that you feel confident on that lake. And once you beat that stuff up, now, now you're just spinning your wheels. So what I want to encourage you guys to do is learn to fish faster and tell your shadows about twice the length of your body. All right. And that could be top water, um, you know, a bait, like a buzz bait, uh, it could be a plopping bait. If you want to get a lot of bites on top, it could be a popper. All right. Now a popper is more methodical. You throw it up to a target, bup, bup, bup. you can work it all the way back. I'm going to discourage you guys in the prime hours. That's morning. That's evening. And tell your body shadow is, closer to the length of your body. If it's twice as long, still fish, reaction, cover water, make a long cast. Throw a popper up, hit it twice, count to three, get it out of there. Throw it to the next spot. Stay on the move. And the reason why this is, is you're going to get fish to react. You're going to go through your confident water quick and you're going to find new stuff. Now, what happens if you find two new spots that morning or that evening? You're going to go out there the next day with newfound confidence in new water. So if Sean and I go out and Sean and I have two spots, okay, and Sean picks up that drop shot or that wacky rig that morning, starts fishing, and he's Sean's got five fish. I got one. I'm like, whoa, everybody watching, like, Sean's kicking Nick's butt. Oh, man, Sean's going to whoop him, okay? But I missed two blowups, okay, going down that bank. And I said, that was a three and that was a four. Okay? Then the sun comes up and Sean's like, well, I done beat the tar out of my fish and they're not biting anymore. So I turn around and I go, well, I know a four pounder lives over there. So now I'm gonna grab that wacky rig. Now I'm gonna grab that drop shot. Uh, if, if it's heavy grass, I may flip a heavy 
creature bait through there. Uh, if there's a boat dock, I may skip a frog or a wacky rig senko under there because I have confidence that fish lives there. I have located that fish and chances are that fish is not alone. So if Sean and I both had two spots and I found two more, I have now doubled my odds. Though he caught the fish at the prime time, he is now going to spin his wheels midday where I have newfound options, newfound confidence, and I'm certain I located fish that couldn't have gone that far. So not covering water fast is probably number one for new people or rehitting the same thing that you found over and over and over. Um, granted, you're going to have a lot of days where you don't catch a jack squat if you're looking for new water. But what does it matter? If money's not on the line, hey, it's a challenge. You know, tell yourself you're going out there for one or two bites. When you catch five or six fish, you're like, yeah, MLF, baby. Hold up that trophy. <laughs> Hold it up. But you will find these spots and you just got to pay attention to the time of year. Was it spring? Was it summer? Was it fall? Was it winter? Categorize it and be like, oh, what were the conditions like? Take down that note and take down notes for a full year. I'm not going to tell you to continue it after a year and take down your notes for a full year and don't ever read them until that year is up. So I'm going to encourage you guys right now. What are we, February, early February, second, third? What are we on? Uh, yeah. Third, yep. So from February, this point on, we're going to still call this late winter, spring transition, probably pushing towards March. Not de Depending on where you guys are listening from, if you're in the southern states, spawn could be going right now. If you're in middle America, uh, you're still um, winter to spring transition, very, very early post-spawn, most likely winter still. Uh, if you're in the northern states, you're definitely still in the winter mode. So, yeah, there you go. So take down these notes on each one of your trips. And I want to encourage you guys, every other trip, go try a new spot on your favorite lake. Try something different. Try new baits and jot down your success. And do not read it again until January 1st. And every thought that you had in your mind or preconceived notion, it's going to draw a straighter path for you on how you in particular succeed. Not anybody else's fishing style the way you did it. And if you take down these notes, I 100% guarantee you, you will double your success the following year. Because even if you follow that, I'm only going to fish these spots 50% of the time, you know, and you still have your guaranteed spots, you've now doubled your guaranteed spots. And the problem is they don't look for new water. They fish too slow to start the day. And here is the big secret. You guys want to know how to find big fish. So yeah. <laughs> you, you know who Dean Rojas is, Sean? Uh, that name does not sound familiar to me. So Dean Rojas is a legendary Bassmaster Elite Series angler. You haven't probably heard much since MLF came around, but Dean was probably the most famous guy for ever throwing a topwater frog. One time I talked to Dean after a Bassmasters event on the California Delta, and I said, Dean, give me one tip to find big fish anywhere you go. And he goes, you're going to think I'm going to tell you a frog, huh? And I, I go, so. that's, that's kind of what I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta lie. I love throwing a frog as much as the next guy. And some consider me the best skipper out there, me and Gerald, but that's another topic. Anyhow, <laughs> he tells me, pick up a buzz bait and cover water as fast as you can. And if you miss the fish, chances are you've seen or guessed about how big that fish was. Mark every one of those spots that a fish misses as a big fish spot. Don't pick nothing up. Don't reach for nothing else. Don't slow down and try to catch that fish. Go, 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 go. 
And I was like, interesting. So I went back and I tried this on the Delta. I picked up one of the first double buzz baits back in the day. Double buzz bait comes over matted vegetation better. There's two blades and imagine this hook is up right in the back. Well, if one blade hits grass, the other one kind of props it over. So it makes it over surface grass. And if it hits wood, the hook doesn't lean. It kind of works its way around. So a double buzz bait's actually fantastic for covering water fast. And every fish that's willing to blow up on a double buzz bait, chances are, is big. So there's, there's lures that big fish consistently go for. Double buzz bait. Whether you catch them or not, you have a new big fish spot. I guarantee you. Like every other bite is probably going to be a donkey upside what you're usually catching. And we all know big fish love to eat frogs. Why is that? I mean, probably 90% of your listeners have missed their biggest fish ever or caught their biggest fish ever on a frog. Have How many monsters have you seen miss your frog, Sean? Uh when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've seen a few, but most of the time, if they're monsters, they don't miss. That's right. Uh, they they kind of tend to, you know, get it on the first try. It's, yeah. Yep. And I'm going to tell you guys, a frog is a big fish target bait. So most people fish their frog wrong, too. So I'm staying on this big lures to find big fish because I, I want to see success. Everyone listening to Sean's right now. I'm giving you pure gold. Some people just paid $1,000 for this last Saturday. <laughs> I'll give you a heads up. It's true. International Sportsman's Exposition. And I got onto this topic. That, that wasn't my intention for this seminar. But I realized that's that's what everybody wants. They, they all want to catch a giant. The double buzz bait and the frog. Most of the mistakes I see, since Sean wanted to hear some mistakes, one of the most common mistakes I see with 99% of anglers throwing the frog is their frog lands in the water. Um, where is the frog hanging out? The frog's typically hanging out on the bank. I will tell you right now, Sean, I've caught probably two to 5,000 fish the, in, when my frog landed in one inch of water. Wow. Where I've seen the bass's back come out and eat that frog. Frog's like hanging out right there on the edge, in the mud. The moment they hop in is right there. So I'll tell you what happens. Your frog is four-wheel drive. That sucker's as weedless as it gets. There's no other weedless bait like that. Throw it on 65 or 80 pound, 80 pound braid. Is it because the fish is that strong? No, it's because you want to get your frog back. <laughs> I literally skip my frog as far as I can under trees onto the mud. If I can get it on the shoreline and if I have an exposed bank, I'm going to cast my frog onto the shore and then work it into the water. When they hear this on the shore, that's the direction that small prey is coming from. And trust me, bass hear and feel that. If they're within six feet of that, just that frog hitting the mud, tunes them in to look that way versus if they're a foot off the bank and it goes Bloop, they go, oh shoot and they take off or you get crazy larry that's just like and eats it <laughs> all right trust me i love that guy that guy doesn't exist everywhere right. i wish it was all crazy larry but that's not the case <laughs> laying your frog on the bank get it as far as you can under the trees and remember we're collecting big fish spots and anytime there's an exposed bank and it's not heavy matted cover throw that double buzz bait to find your big fish now 
Let's talk about we put the top water down. They don't want to eat top water. It's cold right now. It's early February. Your fish are probably not eating top water. Mine aren't either. So how would I find a big one? Well, if my water's clear, glide baits are honestly the best bait at drawing in big fish out of curiosity. Not catching them. Quote me on this. Listen to this. When I am throwing a 7-inch to 8-inch to 9-inch to 12-inch glide bait, the bigger the glide bait, the more draw power it has. I'm not telling you to go throw a giant one all the time. But if you can see deeper than six feet or five feet, really, a glide bait has drawing power. 90%, probably 99%, I'll be honest, of the fish that follow a glide bait are not going to eat it. But they're curious. It has drawing power. They follow it back. So let's say Sean and I, we're in the boat together, okay, or we're walking down the bank. Hey, if you're listening, you're on the bank right now, and you see an isolated tree. You throw your popper, you throw your wacky rig, your spinner bait, your square bill, you reel it past, you don't get a bite. If you have a glide bait and you throw it there and you throw it past that tree 10 feet and you swim it real slow, it's going right past that tree. Even if Bertha is there and didn't eat your other stuff, she'll be like, oh, what is it? And she'll come five feet away from your feet to where she's like, oops, and turns around. <laughs> And she swims back to that tree. So what did you just find out? You had a visual fish finder. Yeah, better than live scope. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> when they visit, when they physically follow it out and you look at them with your own eyes and she swims back to that tree. What do you know now? You just gained some really, really good insight to where you were either too late to the bite or too early to the bite. But you located a tank. You have a guaranteed big fish spot and you have intel on that fish. Now, what you can do, the best follow-up for a glide bait is typically a shallow running jerkbait. So throw it back out there. If you can't get them, move on. Now, let's say your water's dirty. Okay, well, glide bait's not going to work for you. Uh, it's too cold for top water. What is a big fish dirty water deal? A big jig. Big jig. Half ounce, three-quarter ounce jig. One out of three fish that bite that jig or a heavy chatterbait or bladed jig, let's be uh, politically correct here. <laughs> <laughs> One out of three is typically a big fish. So now you're like, well, I could throw a Ned rig, Nick, and I can catch 50. And don't get me wrong. That's what I want to do too. I want to go catch 50, but I want to go catch 50 around Big Mama. So maybe one in that 50 is eight or nine pounds. And how I do this is if I don't already have the fish located, and I'm not saying a big fish won't eat a french fry, and I'll get to that. I will throw a jig, and every time I'm like, oh, that was, a, that was a good one. Whether I miss it or catch it, the jig is locating big, dirty water fish for me. I mean, if you're impatient, see if you can find yourself a three-quarter ounce vibrating jig and bend the blade back a little bit. Because if you bend the blade forward, it causes more lift. To your lure if you bend it back your lure will stay closer to the bottom remember the colder the water the bass tend to like to put the bell their bellies in the mud so if you're up off the bottom or halfway through your retrieval tell yourself to stop and remember chances are when one of those hit those you're around a big fish then you can reach for your shaky head then you can reach for your ned rig and you can go back and try to finesse that fish into eating but that is a way to find the big ones in the dirty. That is a big one to find the big ones in the clear water. And that is a way to find them on top water. I'm telling you guys, if you have that big jig, 
if you're in dirty water, save that. Use that as a tool to find the big ones. Clean water, use the glide. I'm dead serious. You got to use that glide. And if you're not getting follows on the glide, sometimes you get follows on a jerk bait, but a jerk bait is also a good way to find them in cold, clean water. And if that's not working, keep trying your top water. Believe it or not, some of the biggest bass I've caught were in water like 48 to 54 degrees on a spook. I caught one to two fish all day, but they're big. They're big. And big ones still don't follow the rules of the little guys. But that is some really, really big money tips to find big fish. And I know I went completely off Sean's topic. Hey, that's all right, man. I, my, my <laughs> listeners are going to, they, they love the juice more than anything. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, it's funny. I, I just listened to um, Rick Kloon on um, oh, Tackle Talk podcast talking oh, yeah. about how the popper will sometimes work, even when you yeah. think this is not topwater time at all. You know, he, yep. he was, he was talking about that a lot on that podcast. And uh, a lot of people don't know about Rick Klun. <laughs> is Rick was there for the original development of the Rico. Yep. And I have five of Rick's personal Ricos. Oh, that's awesome. That I got for like 50 bucks a pop. <laughs> <laughs> I Seriously. fell in love with the Rico last year. Um, it, it was just dynamite for me. My listeners are probably tired of me talking about it, but uh, there is something mm-hmm. that, that is a confidence bait for sure of mine now. And, uh, you oh, know, yeah. I think it's worth every penny. Um, and I can't mm-hmm. 100% explain why, but uh, all I can say is try it and you'll know, you know, so. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's this is kind of more of a technical thing. I don't know if you guys really want to hang on to this or not. Um, but when people you may hear Sean and I talking about the Rico right here, you have chuggers, you have spitters, you have walkers and you have ploppers. OK, this is different actions versus like Rico goes. Whoop, whoop, whoop. It makes that noise versus like a man's chug and spit. You go like a little crack noise better for dirty water rico's better for colder water cleaner water holds its position whereas you have a walker which can do a little bit of both which is typically better in the post spawn um and then you have your chuggers the ones that will throw the water more which is also a good dirty water option so spitters kind of what you want to do when you're back behind like a pocket like if you see some toolies a little grass bed a little area and you hit it once boom and you hit it once and it throws water that lands up on that grass bed and everybody's like excuse me <laughs> and then you chill with that feather and the bluegill's like oh feather mm, 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 mm. and that big one's like oh free bluegill and that's the one you got to wait that freaking five to ten seconds for to get that eat <laughs> tedious but yes that's the difference in those in those poppers and when people say is a rico worth it uh yeah and the reason why i say it's worth it is because most ricos are 30 plus dollars or 25 now I'm not yeah. sure what they go for, but typically you don't lose a lot of top waters, guys. So, right. um, pay more for a good top water. Pay more; it, it'll pay off that way. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that definitely. And I, you know, I, I, I had I watched uh, uh, him talk about uh, what makes it better. So I had a little bit of idea, you know. But he was actually talking about almost, you know, getting it to walk as quickly as he could, you know, and. Mm-hmm. You know, I I always when I was first started fishing, and I I got it to make that whoop. But I, I couldn't do it fast. So, um, but mm-hmm. I still caught fish doing it slow. 
now I can't wait for my friggin' water to thaw out so I can get out uh, and try it fast and see. You know, that fast and... action is 58 and above water temp. So okay. just so you're aware. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I got a little and bit of time then. <laughs> the difference is if you're walking a popper, you're doing it on slack line like a frog or a spook. Right. Um, what you need to pay attention to if you're going to if you're going to chug walk a popper is you want the line. You're going to move your hand a little bit faster on the reel as you do it. And what you're doing is you're keeping the slack out, which is causing the drag on your popper, which is keeping the head throwing water as it's turning. Versus slack line, your popper is going to slide on the surface and walk. Right. You're dragging it down slightly with a tighter line. And it's almost like almost like a wake bait. It's like a, what I call like an eighth, eighth inch walk to where you're moving a lot more water. That's what Rick was talking about, too. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, awesome. guys. Technical tangent, man. Sorry. No, that's good. You know, I... I've heard from people who say, oh, you know, I love it when you dig deep into stuff like that. So, you know, there's a little, you know, deeper dive into that for you guys. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Um, how about uh, anything that you see even like seasoned anglers doing wrong reg uh, on a regular basis? Yeah, actually, this this is was I was kind of going into this and I would say the biggest problem is ignoring top, middle, bottom. So most season anglers that I've been out with there, I noticed this mistake is like early in the day. Like I said, they're covering water. They're doing it fast. They know what they're doing. They're season anglers, but they don't get that top water bite in the first 30 minutes to whereas if you would have been moving fast on the square bill, bouncing bottom, maybe the fish is focused on crawfish instead of something up um, or that middle of the water column that shallow jerk bait that alabama rig maybe they're looking forward so you're often going to hear me say this statement up forward or down okay the fish are looking up the fish are looking forward the fish are looking down and they're typically in one of those three moods no matter how good or how bad the bite is sometimes you'll have the plethora of them doing everything but that's usually not the case nine out of ten times it's going to be looking up looking forward or looking down. And if you don't try all three of those within the first hour or last hour of your fishing day, you are shooting yourself in the foot. And I know this personally because I've shot myself in the foot <laughs> tons of times to where I will be out and I'm forcing a top water or I'm bouncing the bottom and my buddy, you know, picks up a, a headbanger spitfire, a big wake bait, and boom, and sticks a seven. And I'm like, oh, and then I look at my top water, and then they stick a five, and I can give me, give, give me my top water, boom, and then I'm in on the action. But if that buddy's not with me, hey, guess what? They weren't eating. Right. They weren't eating. Yeah, that that's that's what I'm going to tell Sean if I was by myself and I didn't catch it. Uh, they weren't eating that night. No, no, no. It's not that. I didn't crack the code. There's always a code to be cracked. So when I say top, forward, bottom, that means top water bait or something very shallow something that you could fish very shallow a middle of the water column bait something with some draw power glide jerk bait alabama rig um swimming worm uh soft plastic paddle tail swim baits spy bait something that has that straight retrieve middle to walk on lipless crankbait you know a rattle trap works remarkably well and then your bottom deflecting whether that's your biffle bugging on a swing head jig um, a heavier cr a crankbait that's digging on the bottom, 
something that's moving through that water column relatively quick reaction style, but top, middle, or bottom. And that is the most big, the biggest singer, like, like really experienced anglers mistake that I witness uh, more often than not. And I'm going to get into another real biggie right here. And Sean, I want you to raise your hand when you find yourself being guilty of this. <laughs> you go out and you realize about halfway through the day that you've been retrieving the lures you've been throwing all at the same speed consistently. Yeah. No, I do that yep. a lot. Yep. Road you get, stare. You get mindless and you're just chucking and winding. Yep. And now tell me this, Sean, your girlfriend, your wife or something, she texts you and you had that worm out there and you do it or your shoelaces. You went to fix your shoelaces and you put your knee on the rod or your foot. And next thing you know, it takes off because you dead sticked it for a little bit. You changed your cadence. The way you're retrieving it is literally guys. And I don't I don't want to bash other content creators out there. Uh, but when I see a two-minute video on a subject and then you go out feeling confident, wouldn't we all be in the top 10 of the highest level of bass fishing tournaments if we could all learn a technique in two minutes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that doesn't doesn't take much time, right? <laughs> yeah, Sean's Jacob Wheeler. I'm Jacob Wheeler. He's KVD. I'm KVD. And, and it only took a week on YouTube. Hey, yeah. So I will tell you this right now, you guys. So you take the number one deep diving crankbait guy in either david fritz or kvd and you go out there and you could spend two weeks with them and they can tell you every single thing about that bait and you will go out there and they will stomp you stomp you there is a thing called muscle memory in this game and really wrapping your head around a technique and this is why don't want you to go out there if you're a beginner i want you to pick a couple popular finesse techniques shaky head or nico rig or drop shot pick one of those pick that fest finesse technique then have a wacky rig to go with it and pick a couple other baits that you really want to focus on learning is it good to be versatile it's extremely good to be versatile some days you need it but there's guys that always win at their strengths whether that's offshore fishing whether that's shallow fishing and why is that? You know, you look at a flipping tournament. Why is Greg Hackney, you know, uh, always going to be up there near the top? Because he's such a good flipper. Why is David Fritz, KVD, Jacob Wheeler always really good at these ledge cranking tournaments? Because that's their primary skill set, you know. And why a frog fin finishing tournaments? Why is Dean Rojas? Why Ishman Rowe? Why Fred Rambanis? Why? You think these other MLF guys don't know how to fish a frog as good as them? They don't. They really don't. Have they fished it a hundred times more than most people listening on here? Yes, they have. Um, but there's these certain little things you pick up fishing a technique. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to get really good at your techniques. Put your phone on silent. Do not create any limitations for yourself. Take that one lure with you and dedicate the whole day to it. And think the whole time about what that lure is doing imagine you were that lure crawling across the bottom you're going to change your speed you're going to change how you're holding your rod play around with it wrap your head around it and you wouldn't believe it like i'll tell you what i thought i was an outstanding shaky head fisherman uh my buddy josh paris 
I would say is probably top five shaky head fishermen on the planet. And you're like, it's a freaking shaky head. Okay. <laughs> I went out there, exact same rig, exact same line, doing everything one day on New Maloney's Reservoir. And Josh went up 18.6 from behind me. 18.6. Going down a bank, not offshore fishing, going down a bank. And he's, and what it was, I was lifting to move my worm that day where Josh was sliding to move his worm. Key difference with that slide is when they picked it up, he gave him slack, reeled down and let him turn with it. I did not. So ironically enough, he was producing more bites and he executed on about 30% more of his hookups because he let them turn. We we're fishing for spotted bass, which tend to grab, then suck it in on their second grab. Spotted bass, you'll often feel a hit, you can give them slack and they'll eat it again. Whereas largemouth, sometimes smallmouth do it, but largemouth do it the least, spotted bass do it the most. So if you're on a spotted bass reservoir and you get a hit, do not reel it up once you miss your hook set. Free spool, count to three, click your spool over and set the hook again. And chances are about 75% of the time you have them. But there is these key nuances to techniques. And I don't want you guys to say, there's no way I'm ever going to learn this. And I will tell you the most awesome part about bass fishing is everyone has an inner artist. And what I mean by this is no matter how much I fish a particular bait, there's one lure, there's one technique that Sean's brain and experience through life will wrap him around better and he'll be able to do that better than me, no matter what. And I don't care if he's been fishing for a year, five years, there's something always to learn from everybody because we're all different. So do not get discouraged. It's super awesome, especially if you're a beginner uh, listening to this because some days I wish I can clear the slate and, and just try again <laughs> and learn all this awesome stuff. It, it's so much fun, man. That's why I love a new technique. And that was one thing that took me quite a while to learn is, you know, I would go on uh, YouTube and watch uh, somebody working a bait a certain way. And I would try to mimic that, obviously, to, mm -hmm. you know, thinking that this is going to be how it's work, how it's, you know, this is how you do it. And yeah. it's not until I kind of, you know, learn how I do it, you know, that, mm -hmm. you know, it really kind of comes into its own for me is, you know, yeah. And then, and as soon as you get those bites, make sure you're paying attention to exactly what you were doing when that happened, you know, try to oh, get out of that mindness, try to get out fish, of that mindfulness. That fish know when you're paying attention, man. They know when you're paying attention. Everybody gets bit when they're not paying attention. That's no lie. Everybody knows. No, no. I, um, uh, you know, I, I'm going to tell you guys something interesting that um, you, I guarantee you've heard this and and it's like, yeah, that's blatantly obvious, but don't let the wheels fall off. And I've, I've found myself doing this where I miss a big one and I'm like, ah, 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 mother, why dad, why couldn't that fish stick to cast later? Boom. It's, oh, what the, God. you did something right to trigger that fish. You almost had it perfect. That's what that was. So why not pat yourself on the back for almost nailing that and think about making those adjustments. Anger and distractions are the worst thing in bass fishing. I will tell you right now, 
If you're out there and you're hanging on to something, take out your phone, turn on your favorite song, get your brain in the right place, man. Remember, turn you shut it off, embrace Mother Nature. We get one shot at this. Enjoy your day. Say, man, I'm going to have a good time. Turn on some Bob Marley, whatever <laughs> you got to listen to. No worry about a thing. You know, get <laughs> your mind in the right spot. The most successful guys that I have ever fished with, besides like one or two guys, I don't know how they do it, have been the most confident and most um, happy dudes I've ever fished with. And they'll get out there and we'll go, you know, three quarters of the day and we'll have a couple of dinks that we boated. And I'm like, yeah, you get a little concerned about this. This ain't going very well. No, it's all good. We got it, man. I'm going to change it up. We'll figure it out. And bam, bam. And you see these three or four giants that we catch in a video. You know, and you see me on Facebook. You see me on Instagram. You see me holding up a couple of freaks. It only took this one, one cast, to eat it. And this other one, one cast to eat it. That was only two casts throughout a day. Troy, when you hear me talking technical stuff saying, hey, one or two extra bites in a day. Well, if you got that two extra bites, it could have been her and her. You know what right, I mean? Right. And so it makes a huge difference. But don't get overwhelmed. Listen to the most technical stuff you can. And your brain subconsciously will pick that up. And intuitively, you'll figure that out on the water. You'll be like, oh, you know what? They said this. And then you try it. and Boom. You execute on it. And that locks it into your brain. Just like I told you, make those notes for a year. Don't read them until the following year. And just sit there one night after New Year's, the next day after New Year's, when you're stuffed full of turkey and stuff, just read it. <laughs> and you'll be like, dude, I knew that. How could I could have swore I knew. I, I would have told everybody on the internet that's what you're supposed to do. I've commented <laughs> that. Why did I do that? Or, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is obvious. And then you don't ever need to go to those notes again. I have years and years of logs that I've read through only one time, um, you know, and that was one time in the year. And it's just a reminder of how much you've learned. Last year was the first year that I really kind of started logging uh, more as uh, my old co-host and I uh, uh, had a little ongoing competition. And I was like, well, the best way to keep track is just to keep a log. So I started logging all my catches last year and, you know, that, uh, looking back at it at the end of the season, it was really neat than what I had collected, you know, uh, cause I'd yeah. write down, you know, how many fish, uh, what I caught, where, you know, on which bait, you know, and, and, and made little notes for myself like that. And, um, you know, like you said, I, I don't know that I'm going to go back and read it a million times, but you know, one glance just over once. it, yep. is just a good reminder of, and then, you know, I'll, I'll remember, you know, next year, you know, you know, late spring when I'm at that same, uh, on that same body of water, I'll be like, Oh yeah. You know what? I kind of remember last year smoking them on this and, you know, <laughs> just, you know, I can see how success builds success, you know? Absolutely. No, it does. It does. You know, getting those extra bites, figuring out a new pattern whoops, and, you know, just dialing in certain things. It, it just gives you more confidence. And this is why I started it off with try to find more waypoints, you know, try to, uh, try to cover more water. And what that's going to do is it's going to build your confidence. You're going to have more stuff to fall back on. And that's just, that's just going to help you explode as an angler, you know? No, that makes, so, makes a lot of sense. Whoop. Did I lose you? Nope. You're there. Okay. Did I lose audio again? Nope. You're back. You're back. Yep, I can hold hear you. on, Sean. I will be right back. All right, guys.
Oh, oh my gosh, that's some good juice, guys. Um, as soon as uh, Nick gets back in, uh, we'll continue this show. He's just uh, having a little audio difficulties again. But um, thanks again for tuning in. And Nick is back. We'll add him back in here. <laughs> that was uh, Savage Gear calling me. Oh, man. We should just ask him to come on the show, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, This is a... Uh... There's an NDA sign for another 10 months on what that conversation supposed to be about. <laughs> oops, oops. Okay, then never yeah, mind. Very Maybe cool lures. Very yes. cool lures in the works. So, yeah, for a lot of people who don't know, uh, for the last four years, uh, three, and a, three and a half years, I've been uh, co-designing the freshwater lures for uh, Savage Gear Americas along with Jose Chavez. Those are um, some of the so most beautiful-looking baits, uh, you know. Thank you, man. Out there. they, uh, As far as photorealism, I don't know that there's – you know, a lot of other rivals for that, you know? Yeah, we've, uh, we put in a heck of a lot of work on that. Uh, I've been pushing, pushing deadlines back and did fighting everybody like that. Oh, it's gotta be like this. It's gotta be like this and, and nailing it out. Uh, the DC frog was like, God, man, I spent so much time on that with Jose making that the bean frog you can possibly have. I don't know if you ever watched my skipping special, but that was all done on the DC frog. Okay, I was looking at, before I started the show tonight, I was going through looking at the most popular videos, and I saw that, and I, I for one, suck at skipping with, uh, I can skip with a spinning rod if it's like a, a wacky rig or something, but sure, y y I'm going to backlash a crap ton with a, a baitcaster, so I'm still learning that that aspect of it. But Just so follow that mid part of the film, man. Okay, Just so I, I definitely I put that on a, a view later on my view later list because uh, I need all the help I can get with that. But I believe that was a forty-five minute instructional that I put out on that subject. But I'll tell you guys right now, um, for you guys who don't know uh, about skipping lures, so Gerald Swindle and I were supposed to have this uh, battle to see who's the best in the country, and then uh, we were going to go from there through wire to fish. Uh, they're going to build this obstacle course in Minnesota and we're going to meet halfway um, and go challenge for this because there's a lot of rumors. Everybody's saying I could take Gerald. Everybody says Gerald can take me, uh, but we're both super avid uh, lure skippers. And the reason why is, is, is some people, and this is a very technical thing, guys, and I'm going to explain something too that you can really wrap your head around. Let's say there's an exposed shoreline. All right. Um, slick calm. There's no wind toolies you got a fish looking in there maybe looking for crawdads or bluegills in the toolies and you cast now you know if you cast and it plops down you could spook that fish so you do a subtle pitch keep your trajectory low to the water and you kind of catch it with your spool and ease it in so like that so it creeps in on them and hopefully you don't spook them well there's a third technique to this that very few guys can do in the country i happen to be one of them but granted i get to fish every single day almost every day so it does take a lot of time to learn this technique it's slide skipping up to the spot and what it looks like is something's wounded and something else is chasing it in an instinctual uh the instinct of this predator like oh freebie they turn around and mm, eat it viciously hard and fast to whereas they probably would have been spooked from every single thing else um, so slight, you'll often see me in episodes, you're like, whoa, what the heck was that? Where it looks like someone took a butter knife and hmm, slid it up to the spot. And next thing you know, I'm swinging. Yeah, if you go look at my TikTok, you'll see that uh, seven and a half. I, I skipped under an 80 foot houseboat 
and I went through the other side and caught that seven off the guy's ladder. Why he was grilling, <laughs> come to find out. <laughs> Surprise. And all I heard the whole time was boom, 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 boom. The pontoons of the fish tried to run. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it went that far uh, through. I thought I was maybe 40, 50 feet under there. No, no, I went through and out, man. Wow. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, being able to put that lure uh, where others haven't just to make that additional effort um, is huge. It, it does work. It works really well. So I'm trying to think for your mistakes. I would definitely say not having something to fish the surface, middle of the water column, the bottom. Um, fishing too slow on prime hours is a big mistake. Um, not having enough spots, definitely a huge mistake. Um, and having a spot that you have confidence in in the middle of the day, because uh, those lull times really, really uh, mess up your mental state of mind. They do. If you go two hours without catching a fish, it is hard to break that cycle. And you've all done this to where you reach down, you tie on a different lure, and it's like that first cast with that different lure, and all of a sudden you get bit. And it's like, why oh yeah. why did i, did I not try it <laughs> why why didn't i try that sooner and it's a positive state of mind this is why i try to tell people yeah visualize the bait visualize the bait feel confident that there's a fish there practice your confidence if you go out and you get one or two bites a day guys and you can still feel confident and you have a positive state of mind around that you have what it takes to succeed at the highest levels um most people do not have that and I'll tell you what, if you can go out there and you can catch two and you're like, I still had a good day, you have what it takes uh, to be fishing at the highest level. You just got to get those skills. So I'm going to give you one last analogy here. I, I don't know how much time we have here, Sean. As much but, as you want, but um, yeah, we usually shoot for an hour. We're right, getting close to that, but I, I will go okay. as long as you want to go. So, <laughs> All right. So I want to give you guys this, okay? And this is this is an analogy. And this is for your poker players out there. And I love to play Texas Hold'em, and it seems like poker and bass fishing are synonymous. And I want you to understand this. Everything you learn, you are dealt another hand. So let's say you learn a ton of techniques about a frog. Now you have an ace-ace. You learn a ton of techniques about a chatterbait. Now you have a king-king. You learn a ton of techniques you know, about flipping and pitching. Now you have a, a queen, queen, and so on. You're acquiring all these hands, all right? And all these hands are dealt to you. The more knowledge you have, the more hands you have in front of you. Then that flop comes out, this lake, this river, the conditions, the time of year, that flop comes out, but there's about, the deck's about 100 times bigger. Instead of 56, we're playing with a 300 card deck here mother nature okay bass fishing is mother nature's poker game and now she puts out the flop and you have three right here now from all of your vast knowledge you have to figure out what hand you're going to play so you say i'm going to play this i got trip kings out there okay uh oh turn card comes out you're like oh that wasn't the right play so now you have to go back and you have to look at those hands the intelligence you have acquired. And if you're thinking negative thoughts, you cannot go back and play those other hands that you've learned. Positive state of mind, remain thinking, and play the hands you were dealt. It's mother nature's chess game. 
I'm telling you this, everything you learn, you learn about the moons, you learn about the wind, you learn about the bait fish that time of year. You acquired another hand that somebody else probably didn't have. And the way the deck folds out, you know, the way the turn comes out, that turn card, that river card is out there. If you have the hand, this ain't a fitness, this ain't a fitness game at all, guys. Lately, all I've been seeing is how much I can fit in this mouth. Not, not. <laughs> Not about how fit I was on the deck of my boat. Not about how fit I was walking down the bank. It has everything to do with intelligence, you know? So don't tell yourself that somebody just has a better natural ability than you at this because they do not. If you're really good at dealing with uh, a slow day and you can still appreciate the challenge, you have what it takes. Go educate yourself as much as you can. Uh, Listen to the most scientific anglers out there. I pride myself on... Uh, taking the most scientific approach to these techniques. Remember, if you watch a two-minute video, acknowledge that it was a two-minute video. Maybe it opened up your eyes to a subject that you want to go watch a 30-minute, a 45-minute video on and take it for what it is. Don't discredit somebody opening your eyes to something new. But remember, two minutes is two minutes invested. You know, the, nothing incredible comes easily. I, I was, uh, in preparation for the show, I was watching a bunch of your videos today, and uh, one of them happened to be on Ned Riggs. And uh, oh, yeah. I, I remember you mentioning in the beginning of the show, you know, now some of my videos that are longer aren't as popular. And it really made me, I made me think like, you know, I love the long videos because, you know, I want to learn every aspect of this and, you know, you know, I'm going to learn so much more in a half hour show than I am, like you said, in a two minute blip. So, mm-hmm. and, and it surprised me to hear you say that. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, these people don't know what they're missing. You know? We're living in a world of instantaneous stimulation and, you know, someone, something pops up on the news for two minutes and they say it and people take it as gospel and they don't do their own research. I'll tell you what, guys, though, it's convenient to get instantaneous stimulation. we got to remember there's always a conversation to be had. Nothing, nothing is as easy as something looks, you know. You got. You really got to divulge. If you're interested in it, you have to divulge in it. You can't. You can't just take two minutes from it. Otherwise, we're all on that same playing field. So literally, embrace it. And I'm telling you right now, if you can accept those one or two bite days, you do have the skill set to succeed in this. That's awesome. I, I love the the poker analogy, and I love that analogy as well because it it makes me feel like you know those days were. Where in the beginning, when I was just learning, I would get so frustrated by days like that. But, um, oh, yeah. you know, as learn I've, the most. Right. As I've grown and as I've, you know, gotten, you know, better, I, I've learned to totally appreciate that and just appreciate the time that I do get to spend out there. Because it is, I, you know, there's so many times where I would get upset and I'd almost kind of smack myself. And think, you're doing this for fun, man. Just remember yeah. why you're doing this, you know. Don't make this something that it isn't, you know, you know, and yeah, and that really, that really helped yeah, me. You're right. You're absolutely right, man. It's um, some people re- remember, guys, a lot of people are in this for fishing clout and it's, um, you know, everyone wants to start a YouTube channel. Don't get me wrong. That's absolutely fine if that's what you want to do. But remember, fishing's meant to be fun. Um, you don't need to be the greatest swim bait person ever unless that's something you take to. And if you're having fun doing it, maybe you land in that you know in that category and maybe you'll end up being the best frog person ever but have fun on the ride don't worry about what instagram thinks none of those people pay your bills don't worry about what facebook thinks 
they're, they're not there taking care of your kids. You know, you, you got to do this for you. And remember, you, you don't you don't need affirmation and confirmation from social media. You don't just go on there to have fun and enjoy other people's posts. Look at other people's posts, make fishing friends, talk to people at the boat ramp. How'd you guys do, man? I sucked out there today. I skunked it up. Don't worry. I showed them what not to eat. You know, have fun with it. Embrace it. Um, I've been there. Every one of us has been there. This is nothing new. The best guys in the world uh, still blank once or twice a year. Uh, I blanked once earlier in January. My buddy stuck five right next to me. Um, And then I actually dialed in some patterns and where I went back out the next day and stroked them good. Um, But I was able to absorb some knowledge from what he was doing. Um, And then I perfected the technique and doubled up on it. Um, But, you know, it, it was just from being humble and checking it out. And some days you're going to go out there and you have all the right cards and you're still going to get sucked out on, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just how it goes. Right. Right. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, um, one of the quickly, real quick, if we can, I just wanted to yeah. talk to about uh, the sticks rods. Um, yes, sir. That's my company right there. I was thinking, um, you know, I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, the first time you got kind of knocked off that I really wanted to talk to you about that, because I think Mm -hmm. as beginning anglers, one of the things that you might struggle with the most is, you know, there are so many rods out there um, trying to find one, you know, for what, you know, your, your, the the technique that you might have confidence in and know that you got the right rod is sometimes tough. And the way that Mm -hmm. you guys have those rods set up, it, it really makes, takes that out of the equation. Right. So, yeah, I'll give you a little a little uh, story on this. So I have to travel all over the country. My business partner at Sticks, Travis Moran, has to travel all over the country. He uh, hosted the FLW Live for a long time, shot a lot of TV shows. I have to go to Florida all the time, Texas, you name it, Alabama, wherever I end up. Um, I was having to travel a lot, and I got tired of bringing so many rods. And literally, uh, I think my rod count was 150 to 180 <laughs> Wow. Rods in total. Uh, do the math. It's a, it's a heck of a lot of money. Should anybody have to do that? No, it's ridiculous. Um, that was an accession thing. And for years and years, I was in the mindset of thinking I had to have the exact rod for every single technique, the exact reel. And that's pure idiocracy. I'll tell you right now, you, you don't need that many rods. So I told my buddy one night, we're at a Bassmaster Classic. We we're at the bar afterwards. And I said, how come we don't build a line of rods? like a multi-purpose set, like a set of golf clubs, but for bass fishing. And I designed them to be perfectly parabolic with more moderate fast taper. And all that means guys is the rod has a better bend throughout it. Parabolic means it bends evenly uh, over evenly displaced, displaced amount of pressure, not just certain portion bending. Um, it's how thick the rod is for how skinny the rod is bends evenly parabolic that's all that means and by a moderate fast taper means a little bit more cushion in the tip and then i adjusted that design power by build and weight so what ultimately i did is first we started with seven and my buddy travis goes do you think you can convert this into six and i said i think i can do it it's going to be a little expensive so i took a big table and i took my travel bag with all my tackle that i travel with and i divided it into six categories And I designed a rod around the whole category of light finesse, slightly heavier finesse, light casting, uh, more reaction, more topwater base, slightly more power, um, then very powerful. So I have the one through six, the number one being the lightest one, the finesse stick, which I believe, yeah, 
I got one right here behind me. I got I got a, two sets in each of my other boats right now. Uh, that's a finestic. That's the number one right there for the lightest. That's six pound fluorocarbon. This is a seven foot six medium light. It's the longest, lightest bass rod out there for finesse fishing. It's almost impossible to break off on six pound tests. There's so much cushion in the tip. Insanely good for like weightless trick worms, Ned rigging. And then you can go all the way up to the power stick, uh, which uh, I got one right the big glide bait on. I was fishing stripers in the uh, Sacramento River. And you can dead dead flip 19.8 uh, pounds on that. So, and I, I could still throw a Senko on there if I wanted wow. to. And the basis for these rods, guys, is creating a set to where no matter what happens when you're out there on the water, you have the right rod. Um, so I've went in and I made video details on this about the exact reels I use, the line I use, and why. And I thought, hey, this would be a good base foundation for when I travel. I'll tell you what, I thought I was going to hang on to some of my other rods when I made it. And I even tell people who buy our other rods, if you still have a favorite rod, this is good. But at least you know you have a really good set on the deck at all times. Dude, these rods, I put so much time and effort into them. They came out so good, I've never touched another rod since. Never have. I've never needed to, except like a giant, giant swim bait rod. But that's almost like musky category. You know, <laughs> it, it gets outside of the bass category at that time. It's like giant striper or giant northern or musky. You know, it's not really bass, but... In regards to bass fishing, the sticks lineup, that's stixfishing.com. And we sell direct to consumer. Um, when you're messaging us, you're either reaching me or Travis. We don't outsource that. We directly message back. And we do direct to consumer. So we sell the rods at 100 bucks a piece. They're going up to 120 a piece soon. Or you can get the full set of six for 500 bucks. And the reason why I do that is we're anglers. These rods should retail from 185 to 205 a piece, depending on where you live. That's what they should be in the store. But I said, dude, people know about the internet nowadays. They know buying online is normal. If I can cut out the middleman, I save you a ton of money. You know, so our margins are small. And then by me shipping them all at the same time, that's less rod tubes I have to send. That's less shipping I have to pay. So you guys are passing me the savings if you get the set. So I'm like, dude, Travis, let's. Let's pass them the savings back by doing the whole set. And that's why. That's why it's a better deal. And we literally are the only company that offers buy them and try them. If I'm giving you, we give you three months. It's ridiculous, um, to be perfectly honest. But we've only ever got one set back. I guess a dude got into a fight with his wife. And I said, dude, we'll take it back. We'll take it back. He's like, I love the rods. I said, just send them back to me, bro. But we offer buy them and try them. You buy them. If you don't like the way they feel or there's something you don't like about it, we'll take it back. We got you covered. That's It's not a big deal. And we're the only company doing that because we have that much faith in our product, man. Um, you know, I never hear anything bad. It's all good. And just like people go, oh, six is not enough rods to do everything you need to do. And I said, well, that's why I run two sets. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I fish competitive too, man. It's, uh, yeah. No, sometimes I need two or three power sticks with me. I do. Yeah. Like right. I said, I got two other sets in each of my boats. So I have, I have, uh, eight total sets. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. But yeah, if you're getting into bass fishing, a set of sticks is going to be superior to anything you're getting off the shelf for less than 200 bucks. Our warranty's Epic. You know, you got the right setup guys. So, and we're good people, man. We, uh, we support the people back that support us, man. We, we try to do our part for the fishing industry. 
Awesome. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, um, that, that, I, that perfectly covered that. I, I really wanted to talk about that because I thought it was a great tool, uh, for those guys just getting into it and the, a great price, you know, to find that kind of quality, uh, at that price point is almost unheard of. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is no gimmick at all guys. Buy them and try them. Check it out. Go read the comments, man. We're, we're legit as they come. Awesome. So uh, I wanted to give you a chance just to shout out any other uh, things you want uh, that you sponsor or that that you you you're you want to promote, and then also where folks can find you on social media. Yeah. So we'll we'll run that in backwards order. Uh, so informativefisherman.com is my website. Informative Fisherman, uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I'm on all of them, and I typically post different stuff on all of them. I don't know why it'd be a lot easier if I just <laughs> post the same stuff. I'm weird. I'm not your typical here. I am at Burger King type of guy. I may post random comedy. I may post instructional. I like having a good time. Uh, so what you get is, uh, is just crazy me uh, and weird fishing obsession. Uh, my main, my, my title sponsors, of course, I am uh, the co-owner of sticksfishing.com with our set of rods. Uh, I'm a spokesperson for Savage Gear America's guys. I do co-design a ton of their freshwater baits. Um, Headbanger Lures is another new one. They're out of Sweden. Um, Dan Lindgren is the guy who actually won a gold medal in ice sculpting back when they used to do that in the Olympics. And that <laughs> dude designs lures now. That's um, awesome. And that's what he does. So it's so cool. Headbanger Lures are so different and unique. It's it's trippy. Dude, let, let me grab something. I got to show yeah. you something. So I mentioned it earlier. But it's just like people have no idea. Like, look at this. Look at this top water right here. So this is the Headbanger Spitfire. So this thing, dude, it snakes and spits water. Like, dude, type in Headbanger Spitfire on uh, on YouTube and check that sucker out, dude. It's so crazy. Everything they design is so different than what any other company has. Uh, it'll blow you mind. I'm also with uh, Bill Lewis Outdoors. If you guys don't know who Bill Lewis Outdoors is, you know what a rattle trap is, right? Yep. That is Bill Lewis Outdoors. Wes is the owner of that. He's a good buddy of mine. Uh, I am designing a new bait coming out through Bill Lewis Outdoors. And all the baits that Mark Daniels Jr. designs, I do a lot of the testing along with Mark. So they are really pushing the envelope, guys, on some really cool new crankbaits um, along with the OG rattle trap. Um, so it's very, very cool. Uh, I'm trying to think, man. It's like, uh, who else do I got out there? Here, let me read. Oh, BKK. I know you guys probably haven't even heard of BKK yet. So BKK uh, was started in, shoot, 150 some odd years ago. So BKK actually started in uh, China. And it was this uh, father-son deal. And it became the biggest hook company in Asia. So if you guys don't know, a lot of these hook companies that are putting their highest end hooks on their product are BKK hooks. Um, well, they finally decided to come to the U.S. and they met with me at ICAST and I said, I don't know, I kind of want to work with more Americanized companies and stuff. And these guys were super cool. They're into innovation. And they said, hey, why don't you come on and design some new style hooks with us? Because I had ideas. And I'm like, I can't tell you my ideas because you're just going to make this stuff. And they're like, <laughs> work with us. Join join us. And we were, we're going to open up an office in Miami. And, and we'll go spend some time. And these guys that actually run BKK are all from all over the country. And they're super cool. And they're fishermen. 
um, which is important to me. I only work with companies with cool guys, man. I'm 42 guys. I've been around the block. I don't work with a-holes anymore. I really don't. <laughs> like, I, I'm cool, man. If if a company's a bunch of jerks, I am out of there, man. I, I'll tell you that right now. The companies that I work for, work for is only because I'm allowed to bring them ideas and they will create things that I think help us all. Uh, it makes life more entertaining for us fishermen. So any of the lure, newer, newer lures, you see me advertising and these people I'm pushing on my program, they're all the real deal. Anything you want to know about the products, guys, I've co-designed a ton of this stuff. So reach out to me and I can break down details that you probably never even heard of before and how to fish it in different times and different locations. And I'll blow your brain up with this stuff because <laughs> I'm obsessed with it, man. Awesome. I got a lake in my backyard and I got the Delta, you know, one block from my front yard. I had nice. to move here just because of it. <laughs> and I, That's... and I managed the lake here too. So, wow. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I've I always have been, I know probably the majority of you guys are too. Right. Right. No, that's why we're here. So absolutely. All right, Nick. Well, man, that was awesome. Like, Holy cow. I can't, the amount of juice you spilled. That It's just, <laughs> I would love to pick your brain again sometime if you don't mind, you know, uh, sure, you man. Know, well, uh, maybe we can dive into some other topics, but, uh, again, I totally appreciate you taking the time to come on with us tonight. Um, I'll definitely include links to, uh, all of Nick's, uh, the things he mentioned there, the sticks, the headbangers, uh, everything else in the show notes so that you guys can, um, hop on, check them out, you know, give them your business if you're interested and, um, make sure you check out, uh, informativefisherman.com. Uh, you know, that'll link you to all of that stuff. Plus, uh, his mm -hmm. online content as well. So, um, make sure you, you know, give him a follow and, you know, you know, you'll get, way more information that we could cover in this just short hour and 15 minutes, but uh, it's, it's out there. So definitely check them out guys. Nick, thank you so much. Um, anything Absolutely, else you wanted to uh, no, Thank your listeners, man. Um, remember guys, uh, one thing I want to encourage everyone doing, if you don't have someone you fish with on a regular, or if you have a boat <clears> or <throat> if you have the option to get a kid out and take them fishing, please introduce fishing to our youth. There's a lot of distractions in the world nowadays. Uh, if we can get these kids enjoying Mother Nature, that's going to prolong um, the outdoor community. That's going to help us all. It's going to help uh, preserve the, the hobbies that we all love in the outdoors. So please take a young person fishing. Take someone new out that's never been fishing before. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Sean, pleasure talking to you, brother. All right, man. Thank you, uh, guys. This has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Have a good night, guys. Later.